Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 22nd episode of 2022. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank the sponsors of Fiber for Breakfast, including our gold sponsors, CHR Solutions, Millennium, and Plume, and our silver sponsor, Graybar. You know, last week, the FCC approved another 88 RDOF winners, which were largely fiber projects from rural operators and utility providers. Thankfully, the FCC has not approved any Starlink locations, and I suspect that Elon's must uh, long-form applications will never see the light of day. So thank you, FCC, for that. The FCC also announced tutorials to help network operators file verified broadband availability data for the inaugural broadband data collection filing window that opens on June 30th. All facility-based providers of fixed and mobile broadband must submit their broadband availability data through the broadband data collection no later than September 1, 2022. As you all know, this is really critically important because this will really determine the allocation of the broadband infrastructure money, the bead money. Fiber Connect now is only um, 11 days away and will be held in Nashville, June 12th to 15th. Registrations already surpassed last year's record attendance, and our content is phenomenal with over 200 speakers and 170 sessions. If you haven't registered, please do so as soon as possible, because we're going to have to close registrations when we reach our capacity. This will be the biggest and best broadband event in the world this year. You're not going to want to miss it. That brings us to today's Fire for Breakfast session, where we'll be focused on the middle mile. What you don't know can hurt you. Last week in Fiber for Breakfast, we met with my old friends, Jack Burton and Dave Strauss of Broadband Success Partners and discussed their battle scars in a session titled, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, what we've learned from 30 plus network evaluations. You know, Jack and David have definitely seen their fair share of networks and highlighted what you need to do to get ready for a network evaluation when you're raising money or preparing for a merger or acquisition. Today, our guest is Rick Talbot, Principal Analyst at ACG Research, and we're going to be discussing the middle mile, what you don't know can hurt you. Rick is the Principal Analyst at ACG, ACG Research for the Intelligent Optical Networking and 5G RAN and XHAL practices. Um, combines with expertise in network access, transport, particularly optical networking, and switching technologies, including software-defined networking and the deep understanding of the telecommunications industry, competitive landscape, business, and regulatory issues and economic trends to provide a comprehensive view of the industry. He's gained his broad experience in over 40 years of technical marketing and sales engineering roles at network system vendors, as well as network architecture design roles at service providers. Rick holds an MBA from SMU, and has a Bachelor of Engineering of Science degree from Trinity University. He's a registered professional engineer in the state of Texas and a senior member of the IEEE. 
Welcome, Rick. And for audience, please type in your questions as we go for a Q&A session at the end. I think this session is definitely going to have a lot of questions, so start typing those in. With that, over to you, Rick. Okay, thanks so much. Yes, uh, uh, very happy uh, to be with you all this morning and to uh, talk about Middle Mile. And uh, I guess the regulatory mind, things are always on our minds at, at top with, with respect to funding. But uh, let's take a look at just the general concept first of what Middle Mile is. So what I'd like to do is just start off with the concept of, let's say, three different areas. Okay, on the left-hand side you have a city, and you see that there's a, you know, it's, it's a big cloud network there. The core uh, network cloud has a lot of different equipment. Uh, in a process of changing from primarily uh, you know, hardware, very purpose-driven equipment to more of a server type of equipment. Uh, then uh, in, in the rest of the era, you have like maybe small towns, that's like in the middle. Uh, and then on the right-hand side, that represents the uh, you know, rural areas. Uh, we have defined for us two different classifications of of uh, locations uh, with respect to broadband service. There are some who are unserved, and that shows on the right-hand side. And by definition, that means in de definition uh, set by the federal government, that unserved is you don't have as high as 25 megabits per second downstream and uh, three megabits per second upstream that you can send. Uh, then in the middle, is the concept of underserved. And underserved is you don't have 100 megabits per second coming down. Uh, no one provides that. Or 20 megabits per second going up, you know, upstream, okay? So that, those are the definitions, and that's what we have, so many areas that don't, don't have it. Now, I know there's a completely different topic of uh, economic uh, capability of affording broadband and uh, the government has programs specifically for that, for instance, within the city. So right now I'm just addressing the government programs to address geographic areas that don't have uh, you know, enough broad broadband. So let's go to the next slide and see, uh, once again, we're building to the concept of what middle mile is, okay? So in this slide, the, the heavier lines represent the fact that, okay, fine, you can get uh, broadband in uh, the areas that were underserved before and unserved before, and uh, they're still out there in uh, you know out there in the country. And if they operate just by themselves, that doesn't give them very much value. They still need to be able to get connected into the capital I internet, into the core of the network. So it's a second step, and that's that's the definition of middle mile that we're going for. Here, so in the next slide, just very simply diagrammatically showing that you know the concept of middle mile is to bring in that traffic that's generated there, and then of course to get access to send uh, the traffic back out to the locations. Now, having you know defined what the concept of middle mile is, let's take a look at uh, what the federal government has done for us, and right now it's being administered by the NTIA. Okay. There are two programs, uh, and you're probably familiar, and you've heard it more and more and more, particularly the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program, the BEAD program. 
that's the one that gave the uh, uh, the remote locations the capability of providing broadband out to their you know out to their subscribers. Forty-five billion dollar program. Uh, it's for both unserved and underserved locations, but priority starts off with unserved. And then uh, another aspect when you hear uh, sometimes it's described from a network standpoint as last mile. And that's where we end up with a separate con uh, concept of middle mile is last mile and middle mile. So the B program is addressing last mile. Uh, we always think of uh, already, um, you know, telecommunications companies, service providers who would be the, what we call, and what the government calls eligible entities. These are the ones who are going to receive the funds and deploy the networks. But it's not only that. Communities can do it, um, uh, institutions can do it, states can do it, counties can do it. So uh, there's a, a fairly wide uh, definition there, which also means, and this reflects back on the concept of middle mile, is that some of these are not familiar with connecting back to the rest of the world. So they're going to get funds to deploy broadband networks in their in their area, community, whatever. But the there is another topic and another expertise required, and that is connecting to the rest of the world. And that's where, once again, the middle mile comes in. <clears throat> One last aspect of this is multiple access technologies are allowed. Uh, they, in the statute and now in the uh, the rules that the NTI, NTIA has put out, uh, there, there can be different ways to do it. But of course, you have to be able to provide uh, the, the services themselves, once again, uh, 100 meg uh, downstream, 20 meg upstream, and you have to do it with, uh, uh, you know, meet latency requirements. And I'm not talking about terribly strict ones, but there are requirements that do prevent you from using some technologies that would load down almost immediately when, you know, people got on. It's like if you had a, uh, let's say, you had a 100 megabit radio so that the first person who gets on can get 100 megabits per second. You can't say that's 100 megabit because when the second person gets on, you don't have 100 megabits anymore. So this is the type of thing that the, you know, uh, the, the NTIA and the FCC are, are looking at. Uh, then, as we say, there's middle mile program and happily the government recognized this and they have created this middle mile broadband infrastructure program which is uh, $1 billion, so yeah, quite a bit less than that. Uh, it's to encourage, and, and the wording is, is interesting, encourage, encourage deployment of middle mile networks and the idea to connect the unserved and underserved areas to the internet backbone. You know, that's the way they say it. And another, another aspect of it is, and this is, uh, you know, yeah, I guess shows some insight, and that is promote resiliency through the creation, and these are my words, uh, network diversity. Uh, in other words, uh, back in the uh, <laughs> back back in the older days, you had a rural town. If you had a flood that knocked out the cable that was the main cable of that town, those phones couldn't get out until the cable was repaired. There was almost always just one. It was just a tree, and you cut that branch, and that's it. Uh, the government wants to avoid that. It wants to have this network diversity. <clears throat> and finally, another interesting aspect of it is 
that they want to uh, the middle mile provider. So now not the end provider who's using the B program. They want the middle mile provider to provide gigabit ethernet to anchor institutions. And this would be symmetric ethernet. So, uh, uh, you know, when you're, when you're envisioning putting, you know, putting this infrastructure out, if you get relatively close to some anchor institution, what are anchor institutions? Well, they're like uh, colleges or maybe a county government if it's built up, you know, things like, things like this. Uh, uh, there's a responsibility with that. Now, the red line at the bottom, <clears throat> the, the money is going to be made available, but there still has to be a selection of who gets that money. And so there's going to be competition for that funding. And the competition is on the basis of a set of rules. And they have a specific set of rules for one for B and the other for MMG. And there are things like, you know, you really are serving. You know, and once again, higher priority was the unserved. Uh, you have to show that you have capability of doing it. So you need to have, you know, it helps to be there a long time. Uh, you've got to have the, the technical capability also. So let's go on, on to the next slide here. Because now I'm going to show a, <clears throat> a, a diagrammatic picture of what these things imply. And once again, the, the reason for it, the, the function of the middle mile. If we take a look at the left-hand side, uh, there you've got the kind of the existing network, right? and I call it metro access network. The concept is it's close enough to a metro to be connected to it. Uh, this, uh, my what I intend in the representation, uh, representation is, is this is an edge office in in that metro, but it'll have a fiber. That's the the ring you see on top to cell towers and businesses, and of course. Uh, you know, they also can launch residential access from that, but also, and more importantly here, <clears throat> uh, residential access most often really comes directly from the end office, and it's coming out in, in the classic example is passive optical networking, okay? So you got a PON, PON infrastructure. You can only get so far out with the PON infrastructure. Sometimes, uh, it not is not fiber all the way. Sometimes it's to uh, copper at the very end. So you'd have you know, either hybrid fiber coax, if that's a cable operator who's doing it, or you've got uh, you know ADSL, uh, X, you know, what I call XDSL, all sorts of flavors of uh, DSL. Now we've got the new locations that have the uh, the broadband access on the right hand side. That remote access is in areas that are beyond the reach. And this is the important thing, it's beyond the reach of the central office. And these services and these architectures normally would have been taken all the way back to the central office, just longer lines going out. But that dashed line there indicates, hey, this is as far as you can reach out. So now we're going to have networks built at these remote locations and uh, you're going to need to have enough capacity to bring that traffic back, number one. Number two, you want resiliency. Uh, the, uh, you know, the NTIA is going to demand that you have some kind of, uh, you know, basically a protection route. And that's the reason why I've got this drawn as a, you know, kind of a ring. Okay, yeah, square. Uh, and then finally, the third thing, if you look at the bottom, there's your anchor institution being served on the middle mile coming back. That's, a, that's supposed to be a college campus there. So let's go on to the uh, next, uh, next slide. 
So here are the requirements on the middle mile network. Okay, so now I'm just going to focus on the middle mile. First of all, the services. It's going to be transporting a very wide mix of traffic. And the first thing, and I didn't say it specifically here, but the implication is clear that, hey, it's going to carry a lot more traffic than what was being carried before. This is broadband traffic. So the capacity is going to need to be significantly larger than what you normally would, would bring back, okay? So you're, you're supporting residential legacy and broadband services on that. You're also su supporting your radio access network traffic, which means mid-haul connections, uh, which are between the distributed units and central units in the, the radio access network. and I. That at this point, I could go into a, a description of what radio access networks look like, and I'm not going to do that, but just to say those connections have to be served across this. And then backhaul connections also. The backhaul connections have been there, but as we uh, have deployment of broadband networks out at the edge of the network, there are going to be additional uh, microcells and small cells deployed out at those locations because now they can get the traffic back and the middle mile network is gonna to have to support that as well as business services. And then once again, gigabit ethernet to anchor institutions. That's the traffic it needs to. Now, from a competitive standpoint, once again, it's important to be um, uh, efficient. And so you need to be able to terminate all of the um, um, all of the service types or let's say architectures that you have out in the field. So all of your GPON, you've got to uh, terminate your XGS pawn. And when I say terminate, that's out at the far end to take these connections in into your middle mile network. Uh, for the MSOs, it's going to be hyperfiber coax coming in. Also, just keep in mind, and this is one thing that can surprise you, is there are new formats being considered for very high speed or broadband uh, connections. Uh, the PAM4, for instance, is like going out to cell towers sometimes. You could come out with a PAM4 being an inexpensive way to reach out over fiber and uh, provide high, um, yeah, high capacities out to them. Uh, there are new coherent 100G wavelengths uh, and gray optics to support that. And also a new uh, item being introduced called XR optics, which basically takes a DWDM signal, splits it up into subcarriers, and broadcasts that. It's really a broadcast network. And so for the first time, you have to consider you may need to manage some kind of a broadcast network through the for the, the fiber network. <clears throat> so what kind of tools do you have? This these are going to be new too. Okay, so obviously. We just have time for kind of an introduction. But let me just quickly run through some of the types of equipment that uh, you'll, you'll have as options. Okay, first of all, uh, the transport vendors are coming up with multi-service, what I call multi-service transport platforms. These are platforms that have a tremendous amount of uh, capacity over the middle mile. It looks like it is an entire central office at that location, literally where uh, you, you would have a card before that would be your OLT. Now it's just a single plug in here in this type of box that's a full OLT. Uh, you used to have specialized equipment to terminate front haul. Well, there's a plug that does front haul also. So the, the box does a lot of different things. So it allows you to do this in a small space. 
with you know, one piece of equipment. That's one way to handle those terminations. Another way to handle the terminations is with a router and for that very high capacity coming back, the transport vendors have said, well, if you're gonna use a router to terminate those lines, we have a very inexpensive, simply transport piece of equipment to do it that we call a compact modular transport system. And then uh, we have uh, uh, the router vendors say, well, I don't even need that transport equipment. We have new coherent, pluggable optical modules you can plug in and just coming out, that'll give you the wavelength you need. So you don't even need a separate transport piece of equipment. And finally, since a lot of these services look like cloud services being extended out to the edge, you could actually have a server out there. The server would have to have an acceleration card on it, which enables it to handle the actual line speed of some of these services. And you put those uh, modules in, the, the coherent modules, that the routers use, and just that conceivably could eliminate the need for separate routers out there. So uh, you have a lot of technical decisions to make as you start deploying middle mile networks. Uh, from an operational standpoint, now you've got to fight the complexity of all these different solutions, okay? It's gonna be software networking. You're going to need what we call multi-domain orchestration if you have what we call separate domains, that is separate vendors doing these different functions. You have to have something that's going to tie those together. In addition to that, since your physical aggregation is like an access network, uh, but the transport and switching of it is separate elements that might be doing that, that's called multi-layer orchestration. That is, you have lower layers doing part of it you have to control, and then higher layers in the uh, in the ISO model, you know, how you control it, they have to be orchestrated, okay? Uh, that leads me to the last point, and that is, and it's the point of this slide, is that this is presenting you with a complexity trade-off. You have the ability to put some equipment out there that uh, does many different things, but if you have them from multiple vendors, you're going to have to have this multi-domain and multi-layer orchestration. That's a lot of software control and uh, interfacing uh, uh, for, for the network to get it to work from an end-to-end -end basis. That's a complexity. But that's a complexity that you're considering rather than staffing all of these remote locations with, rather than kind of the ma and pa thing of just the local uh, uh, telephone subscribers, now you've got whole broadband businesses and uh, cellular business and all these different uh, network needs that take a high degree of expertise. Are you going to put all these people out there or even in the central locations have a lot of people who are manually uh, uh, managing these systems? Well, that's, that's the other complexity. So there's your trade-off, complexity of equipment or complexity of having a lot of people trying to do all of this. So those are the challenges, that's the, the gotchas of uh, the uh, middle mile network. Well, Rick, you make that sound fairly complex. I thought <laughs> the whole intent of SDN was to simplify and just kind of um, aggregate away for, or I guess kind of um, get rid of all the complexity. So why wouldn't we treat 
you know, this middle mile network just says interop this transport. Well, and that is, uh, you know, that's what what has happened here is that in middle mile, a regular transport, interoffice transport, uh, particularly back in the quote old days, uh, there were only a limited number of items that did processing of the signal. I mean, it was basically you were transporting the signal or transporting channels of the signal or uh, switching of the signal in some way, which would be the routers. So everything that you were transporting, it was just, it was just traffic. It was just kind of vanilla. On the other hand, when you're working with the middle mile, you are transporting services and types of connections that are uh, have a lot more complexity to them in order to save this expense of trying to manage all of these locations out at remote locations where you don't have very many people. So this complexity of services and uh, the, the kind of one-to-end type situation, end sites on the end, um, is much more complex. So that's, that's why you need to put the effort, extra effort into the middle mile. Um, any examples of XR optics in the wild, or can we get uh, lessons learned? What is it? Get lessons learned from? Uh, well, right now, the, uh, th there are a couple of uh, uh, POCs uh, uh, working out in the field. And uh, uh, these are uh, generally you know, kind of you know, behind the, vent the vendors doing it. And I mean, it's no secret the first vendor that's introduced that is Infinera. But they, we've created a, uh, uh, an industry. Uh, association of people who work with this because there are a lot of local exchange carriers who are interested in that concept to uh, uh, to leverage the concept of putting so much capacity on uh, wavelength division multiplexing on the fiber itself and being able to split that up inexpensively and get a lot of capacity out to far locations. So that's that's a reason why you do that. So there are some trials going on right now. There's an association that is tracking it and coming up with uh, kind of industry standard ways of, of going about that. Um, and once again, the reason to do that is, uh, you know, I, I guess to, to say it, uh, you know, make kind of the same way. You put these cell towers out, small cells, and instead of being one or two T1s to run out to them, you know, you need more than 10 gigabits per second. In, in a number of cases. And once you go above 10 gigabits per second, the next step in the hierarchy is 100 gigabits per second, and that's overkill. So this, uh, this new technology gives you this granularity to do it in either 25 gigabit per second or potentially 12 and a half gigabit per second steps to, uh, for that capacity. Uh, I had a number of questions, and I don't know if this is in your expertise, but um, about the the middle mile grant proposals, um, yeah. so that, you know, one was are they going to be um, handled directly with NPI or coordinated with the state bead subgrants? Still, managed still by through this? the states. What's that? Still through the states. As far as I, as far as I know, that's I was getting that. Uh, uh, I, mean, I, I think I, when I look at the bead, I mean the um, the NOFO for the middle mile it looks like that it's managed by NTIA. 
Um, so, but I have to think there's some coordination. I can get that to Tom and have. Okay, because I was also, yeah, I was also uh, seeing that there was a, a certain amount uh, per state that uh, that was being handled on that. So yeah, I'll. I, I, someone else just chimed in. I I believe when I looked at NOPA, it says that NTI handles the middle mile. Uh, and then there are some other questions on, you know, do you have the feel for how detailed engineering needs to be included in the middle mile proposal? And then there was one on if you have a phase three, the small business innovation research for a preferred contractor, does that help a municipality achieve uh, uh, MMG grant uh, funding? I don't know if you know any of those. I can have um, Tom well, Cohen yeah. respond. Yeah, that, it goes back to, um, you know, how much. Obviously, the answer is yes. Does it help? But I think the meaning behind it is how much does it help? Uh, you know, and that's one that uh, the the NTIA has uh, stated what the most important things were. They've really put priorities on these, and in some cases, actually put a point system on it to uh, to come up with a numerical answer. The last question here: We're running out of time. Are you saying that the middle mile providers will need to make sure they build middle mile to accommodate? Uh, multi-service transport platforms uh no that's that's kind of the other way around uh it's uh what i'm saying is that the middle mile has to transport multiple services and the provider needs to uh, uh decide what is the most cost effective way to do that and the most manageable way to do that you've got the upfront investment and then you have the operations on an ongoing basis. And that may lead to a multi-service uh, box at the end, or it may lead to uh, you know, a, a router solution at the end, or it could lead to a server solution at the end. Those are uh, each a, a possibility. So it's not that the uh, uh, middle mile has to uh, it is driven by what was decided there, but the middle mile, particularly for the middle mile itself, has to decide how it wants to uh, handle the aggregation of those services. Well, hey, Rick, th thanks so much. Really appreciate you sharing your insights and research with our audience. And I want to thank everybody for joining us today and look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. We're going to be discussing how one gigabit became the global standard for broadband with my good friend and Montana resident, Jamie Linderman from Omdia. So you're not gonna to wanna to miss that. We will see you guys next Wednesday.